Vegas Bad Boys Podcast presents Matt Michaels People I Don't Hate Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on the Vegas Bad Boys Podcasting and today I'm joined by a person who I truly believe is one of the smartest creative minds uh, not only in wrestling, but just in general, Mr. Jimmy Jacobs. Jimmy, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on your podcast, Matt. And I appreciate the kind words. I don't know if uh, that's true or not. The fact that you perceive it as true, I'll take that as flattering. Well, it, it also means that you're doing your job very well. You know, I think that's one of the things that we are humbled as, you know, people who are performers and around the entertainment industry, because we know that what we do doesn't feel very, um, it's, it feels like anyone can potentially do it, right? It's, it's second nature to us to be creative or to be a performer with you. When did you start finding out that you had a gift for telling stories? Did you do anything when you were younger? Not particularly, no. I figured out pretty early on uh, in wrestling that I had an aptitude that was different from other people. I don't think it clicked right away, but if I look back at it, I go, oh, I was 15 and I was I, I had this mentality and nobody around me had this mentality. So I think I already always had an aptitude um, just for the storytelling aspect of pro wrestling. Did, do you think that coming from the Midwest and, you know, the the kind of the, the harsh seasons and the 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 way that people work, the ethic that is put into work out there and um, the way that families interact, uh, maybe a little more sarcastic to each other. And, you know, there's just this earthy feel, this blue collar American feel. Do you think that some of that was reflective in how hard you ended up working at such a young age? No, no. You know, I didn't grow up blue collar at all. My dad was a federal judge. My brother now has his PhD from Dartmouth. You know, that's more <laughs> where I, where I come from. Uh, so uh, it was odd for me to pick a profession and a business that was so sort of off the wall, sure. you know, with that context in consideration. And I wouldn't say I worked particularly hard, and that's the, the, the truth of it. I enjoyed doing it mostly, and I just kept doing it. And eventually I carved out a niche for, is it niche or niche? I, uh, yeah. For, for doing, uh, you know, a, a spot in the pro wrestling business that suited uh, my my strengths is really what ended up happening. Did you find that as you were developing as a wrestler, as you were growing through the ranks, that it became a lot easier to understand what you were doing and why you were doing it? Because I, I see a lot of that today is very, um, there's a lot of what I would consider dead air in matches a lot of times because things are just you know they it just has to be moved and then move and then move but there's no real philosophy or logic be behind why those particular movesets are being used other than we want to look spectacular in front of a crowd well look man don't don't uh downplay looking spectacular for a crowd i mean that's that's obviously a part of it. And right. so you have to balance these things. We can say, oh, you know, the moves don't mean anything. It's like, yeah, yeah, but no, right? It's like you you want some sort of uh, excitement and are, are exciting moves a tool you can use to elicit that sort of reaction? Absolutely. Otherwise, the professional wrestling business wouldn't have evolved into the thing that it is today. These are obviously effective tools. Now, how effective are they? I don't know. The crowd sort of decides that. And then, you know, the amount of people that pay for a ticket or buy the pay-per-view or cheer for it or, or whatever, they're kind of deciding it. But it's so multifactorial. You can't, 
you know, lay it down at the feet of, well, now people do more spectacular moves than they did before. And somehow that brings people out of the suspension of disbelief and they've turned off their TVs. No, it's very multifactorial when, when we're talking about, you know, why somebody watches pro wrestling and this pro wrestling as opposed to doing, you know, anything else because really that's what you're competing with everything else and now we live in a day and age where everything is at your hands so exciting moves are a tool to be used now does it um you know that's balanced with something like uh uh, like telling a story right you talk about the why and why um one would uh you know do something in the ring so uh it's 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 multifactorial when uh, when you're talking about that. Certainly, at its depths, you know, you you get to a point as a as a character as a performer where you're so you're so over with the crowd that you don't need to do any of that particular particularly spectacular stuff. Having said that, look at a guy like John Cena. It's like he still goes out there and he busts his ass and he tries new stuff and he he tries to do spectacular stuff. So. Here's a rule. Uh, you know, if you're not over, don't work like you're over. You got to work to get over. So maybe you do some exciting stuff, you know, more than you kind of want to do because you want to get over. And then once you're over, you can work like you're over. You can kick a punch and, you know, not do so much exciting stuff. However, even when you're over, sometimes you work like you're not over because that's how you stay over. How about that? Oh, I don't think uh, a uh, conversation has the word over in it as much as we just had. That's brilliant. Um, Let me ask you from uh, a standpoint of your own personal tastes. um, Do you like if you're watching a movie or if you're reading a book or if you're watching wrestling, do you like to watch the hero's journey or do you like a little bit more of the the villain's um, motivations in terms of that kind of contrast of how you get that beautiful. This is on my phone right now. <laughs> yeah. The, it, uh, the hero's the man, journey chart. Oh, the hero's journey. That's, <laughs> that's it, man. Um, look, man, that, that's because that's what we're all, we're all living through in every moment. I mean, it's like wrestling is, um, it's storytelling and everything's storytelling. We perceive our reality through a story, we perceive ourselves as a story. I, I you know, I, my father was a federal judge, and I did this because this was weird, and I enjoyed this, and it's a story. Yeah. And we all, you know, go through the the process of, um, you know, going into the unknown and going into the depths and coming out the other side more than what we came in as. Uh, so the wrestling is a bit different in that it's perpetual storytelling right like never ending just one week after the next after the next after the next and you're balancing you know whatever i think on impact we've got like about 55 different characters right that i'm balancing right so right. uh it's not as clean as a uh a regular tv show or a movie in particular or a book in particular that can sort of give those neatly defined um you know plot points where you you follow one guy and you know exactly where he's going where he's going to come out the other end more or less um, so wrestling isn't as clean in that, right. in that, uh, you know, you you have twenty five heroes and twenty five villains, and you know, not all the heroes are going to succeed on their journey, and one is, but it's only going to be temporary. Then he's got to go through a new trial. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, all, all all characters are are interesting um, if if you find interest in them. That yeah, makes a lot of sense um, for you when you've worked uh, on certain things in impact, what is it that you find really gets you excited? Is it, you know, when you come up with an idea, is it the execution of the idea? Is it maybe the talent understanding and taking what you thought and making it 
something that you couldn't have dreamed that it could be? Is it that kind of motivation, that kind of talent that really excites you in bringing your stuff to life? Yeah, that, that, that's probably it. You know, that, that last thing you said, you know, as a, a, a you know, writer, you know, creative writer in, in wrestling, you're really bringing the framework to something. Ultimately, you know, that, that's one of the big things I had to, um, to sort of come to terms with when I started working for WWE. It's like, yeah. when you're a performer, the buck stops with you. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It's like, it's on you to make it good. It's on you to to bring it to life. And you sort of relinquish that that power and that responsibility as a writer uh, to the performer. Uh, so look, there are times, you know, you know, you write something and then somebody does it and you're just like, geez, you know, with, you know, why not? they could have just tagged me in and I would have done it and be like, see, see that, you know, like a pinch promo. Um, but then there are times when you come up with something and you just give the body of it and the performer puts the soul into it. And that, that's what makes it come to life. Uh, and so that is one of the more rewarding things. And, and, and seeing performers in general start to understand their character, you know, seeing, seeing people go from, you need to, you know, help them out on every, on everything and sort of lead them through to a point where you can step back and they can just take the reins, you know, great. I don't need to do anything, you know, right. I can, my general philosophy is I can never be the performer better than the performer can be. I'm not going to know them better than they are. I can have an idea of it and I can help them out and I can help craft it. I can, you know, give them words if they need words, whatever. But at the end of the day, when they can break free from, from me, mostly, uh, that's great. Cause then it's like, cool, you got it. You, you got, you got what you are. And I just need to put you in a situation and you can be you. And, and that's it. It's, it's funny just hearing your thought process on that. It's amazing because what you just described, I think ultimately is what a parent goes through. You know, it's, it's instilling all this stuff. You have an idea of what your child could be, but it's that journey of watching your child get to the point where they're now free to be themselves and they know who they are. And I think that's, that's amazing that concept in creativity, bringing that life to it is almost like it's your baby coming to life. Um, I mean, to an extent, yeah. I mean, look, everything is a, you know, wrestling is, is, is no exception. Wrestling is a, a microcosm of, of existence as such. And we as, um, you know, whatever we are, the thing that we are, the, the, the human being, the body, mind, soul, whatever you want to say, this thing that we are looks for itself and it looks for itself um, externally for, you know, for a lot of its life. I know I can speak personally and you look externally and go, oh, I'm this. Maybe if I grab that, maybe if I achieve this. Right. And um, then you look internally and you find more of what you are and uncover more of what you are. And the world becomes a place where of of self discovery and you know manifestation of yourself um, in that given moment, right? Do you think that something, um, given a character like uh, Sue Young, has been able to have three different, you know, personas off of one character? Does it seem like that is kind of the, you know, that apex of being able to discover because now you're branching out into totally different realms that you might not have discovered about yourself or your character because you're playing different aspects of that personality. Is that something that either makes things more complicated or is it something like a performer like Sue is able to tap into these different sides of her and actually gives her more of a freedom to kind of play with who these different personas are. Yeah, I think Sue's a, a, a great character. I mean, she is able to tap into different aspects of, of herself. She's very, she's very creative. And, 
she's I think done really well with all the all the characters yeah. uh, that uh, we've we've had her had her perform and it's it becomes a freedom and uh, you know one you don't want to abuse uh, right. you know we had uh, uh, Susie and then you know we, we, I think we pushed it with with Sue a little bit and you know who, who knows maybe Susanna will come in I, I, but but again you don't want to maybe overly do it or maybe you do I don't know I don't know I don't know where the boundaries of of, of what works and what doesn't lie you just you push it too far and you go, oops, we went too far. It just, it, that just brought up an idea of, boy, it, I, it, no one's really ever thought of this in WWE. And that is you have a persona like that who has, let's say, four different characters. Wouldn't it be great to see a Survivor Series match where every time she's pinned, now the new persona starts? And yeah, well, there, there's some logistics to that. I mean, that's the that's the issue of that one. But you know, when when we didn't have a a crowd at Impact, we were able to do a, a couple things that allowed yeah. us to have you know, uh, I think I think we had Susan and Sue in the same space at at one point, and we get to play with that. Um, I, how was that for you too? Getting a chance to um, do a little more um, of the uh, what are cinematic everyone's calling cinematic style uh matches and promos and stuff uh, during the pandemic was that something that you were you know i i know the crowd is always the, the biggest thing for the actual performers but you as creative did you get a chance to explore maybe some ideas that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise yeah absolutely i think russell house last year was the prime example of that and that was sort of uh, born of of that very fact it's like all yeah. right what are we going to do just have you know matches in front of no audience for two hours um and at that point we didn't know how long we weren't going to have an audience so we just you know tried to come up with uh, different uh, presentations of of the um of the show and that was something that uh Rose Rosemary had the idea at first. She had the idea of, we were looking for an idea that was something out of the box where we could do something like off, uh, not just in the studio in front of nobody. Right. And she, she pitched me some, some idea, like some like regular idea for, for a character or something. I was like, hey, do you have anything like actually really out of the box right now? And she goes, well, I had the idea of uh, me and uh, uh, Taya being just like in March, right when everything shut down, and me and Taya are stuck in the house together, and we bring a bunch of people in. We'll call it quarantine. And I go, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So that wow, uh, yeah, and that was born then out of that little that little nugget. That's amazing. And by the way. <laughs> One of them, and it, it, it was a it was a fun thing. Like I, yeah. I went back, I rewatched some of it recently. Like whatever was on YouTube, I sort of went on a little little binge. And uh, Robert Evans, who's on the creative team, really like he wrote and produced those. And I thought he did a fantastic job. And it was like I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I would watch this wrestling show. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was actually I think one of the bright spots of everything that was done during the pandemic i think that wrestle house was the most unique concept um and like you said it kind of draws you in i like the fact that you were able to invest in these characters without even having to really think about them in terms of going down to a ring you know you just you were able to like like the characters or despise some of the characters just based on what reality TV has taught us that we like or dislike. Well, it's, you know, it, it wasn't that fundamentally different than a regular wrestling show, right? Sure. It's just, we, we took it from, you know, uh, you have issues backstage and you bring it to the ring to now you're living in a house together and you have issues over who's going to sleep in the bed and you bring it to the ring. Right. So uh, it was just really transposing the, uh, the the setting which uh, and, and we spent more time you know in the house as opposed to in the ring which 
I think was more is more fun. Yeah, and I can't wait to see when uh, a reality show rips the idea off and basically calls it like Fight House. And basically takes, you know, people who live in the house, you go solve your problems by fighting. And I bet you it, you know, that stuff type, that type of stuff sells nowadays. Um, do you think one of the things that I learned long ago in college and we were studying, um, you know, basically dissecting why things work in terms of telling stories. And the biggest thing that was hit upon for us was that conflict is the essence that without conflict you don't have a story you don't have anything to move forward is that something that you kind of live by and kind of you know feel that if there's no direct conflict then the story can't move on and is that maybe sometimes where wrestling in the big companies like wwe goes a little bit wrong because you know you sometimes are just putting out matches to kind of you know kind of fill in time without the actual conflict between the two parties? Well, look, con conflict is obviously it's inherent in two guys fighting. Uh, and you right. try to make every story have some sort of conflict. Again, you're you're balancing multiple things. You're serving multiple masters. You go, oh yeah, we, you know, filling time on TV. It's like, yeah, man, that's a real thing. And it's, and, you know, for a company like WDB, most of their money comes from, uh, you know, uh, from the uh, TV uh, TV rights deals, right? So, uh, look, you've got to deliver on whatever end you can on the TV. Now, now, look. Here's the thing: if everything has conflict, nothing has conflict. How about that? It's sure. like if 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 everybody you know is a blood feud and jumps you from behind, well, then nothing special. Right. And so. And you're telling, you know, Raw is a beast. It's got three hours. Uh, so you're telling, you know, multiple stories over, you know, with all your characters over all these weeks of all these hours. And how do you make any of it stand out from anything else? I mean, these are the these are the real questions. You go, yeah, it's just another match. It's like, yeah, because at some point there's only so many ways to skin this cat. How many ways, how many different stories are there to... Uh, I want to be the best. No, I want to be the best. Or I don't like you. No, I don't like you. Right. That's really what it comes down to. Two guys fighting because they have a personal issue. Uh, two guys wrestling because they want to be the best. And so it's like, yeah, you can you can dice that up a lot of ways, but like a finite number of ways. And the TV show is, for all intents and purposes, infinite. Yeah. It's next week and the week after that. And the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. Right. Uh, so the, uh, you know, so much of the task is just how do I, how do you create conflict that's different from this conflict here, but also stands within the realm that we we write in. That's why things like Russell House are fun and they stick out because you take it out of where it was you give it a new context like great yes you know we did uh the stuff in the in the undead realm and yeah, yeah man, let's let's throw an axe up in somebody's neck thank you uh and that just you know big props to you know matt hardy for really uh, the the broken universe i think was the was the thing that broke wrestling free from the chains of the box that it was in more yeah. or less, at least on some sort of larger level. And it was uh, relatively successful for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember first seeing it, first seeing like something he was doing. I was like, this is awful. I remember saying, I was like, Oh, this, this is why, this is why Vince McMahon has writers because otherwise <laughs> this stuff would happen. And then, you know, at some point, all of a sudden it's like, like oh the ultimate deletion it's, it's, it's coming up the ultimate deletion is tomorrow it was like christmas it was like ironic at first like ironic right. to like but then you watch like no this is awesome like matt did it yeah he, he did it and his team and and whatever uh against whatever criticism and uh yeah and so i have to give props to the godfather of uh of the supernatural wrestling fights 
in my at least in my head he is uh, oh that no it's very true and i think that that took us you know i thought it, it caught the attention and as you know we saw when he went back to the wwe and they tried that version of it there was so much constraint on it whereas in impact he had a chance to you know to be creative to be himself but also i think it it shows a lot of what you guys do in terms of the writers and producers on these segments that it takes it to that next level is is there a, a really a good cohesion amongst you guys backstage and knowing you know what the left hand is doing and what the right hand is doing so that everything kind of comes together yeah man we, we have a pretty small crew at, at impact wrestling so um we're in communication with everything that's going on uh, i mean look do things fall through cracks sure things fall through the cracks and that's what happens when you have a small crew too it's like oh that was my bad i i missed that we don't have a, a million you know in wb there's a ton of people sort of that might pick that up if, if you if you drop it right. but um, yeah, we, we, we try to have a show that, or have had in the last, you know, three and a half years that I've been an impact. You know, we've tried out different things and we've, you know, we had at one point, I remember it's like, you know, you got the guys on TV that are having this like good, you know, you know, uh, pure wrestling feud and two, you know, a good guy and a bad guy, you know, feuding here. And then you had the undead realm over there and then you had LAX and the OGs like doing like drive-bys basically <laughs> over here. We had like a kid get run over by a car in the streets with these two gangs fighting. So uh, yeah, we, we tried to do a little bit of everything and see what the fans enjoy and what we enjoy and uh, what makes for what we hope is a good TV show. You know, that's yeah. all, that's all you can do really. What, what do you like doing in your free time to, you know, um, cause I know a lot of times when you have a creative mind, it's hard to rest the brain because just something quickly can snap something in your head and go, Oh my God. Okay. Um, is there anything that helps you unwind and relax and maybe allows you to either become more creative or just gives you that breath away from work for a while. Yeah. Look, I have a practice, you know, a self care practice. I take care of myself after whatever 37 years, I finally started taking care of myself. So I don't, I don't get too stressed. I don't get too caught up in the the weeds of of mostly anything. Look, I, I I can I can play the game of stress and I can play the game of uh, you know being upset. But I understand that those are just games we're all playing with ourselves. Like right. that's the, the freedom in my life over the last you know four years or so is realizing that oh, I'm creating my experience. My entire experience emanates through me. Right. There's right. nothing in the external world that you know, makes me mad. Nothing makes me anything. I can experience anger, but I'm just, I'm the one creating it. I'm the one creating it, and that's for everybody. And, and so whatever, yeah, so I'm pretty even keeled about most things. Do I get excited? Am I excitable? Yeah, I'm excitable sometimes. <laughs> But uh, but I'm choosing to play play the game of that. Right. That's that's how I like to think of it, and um, that's you know that's what I think people a lot of times are. I mean, we're, we're all we're all prisoners to ourselves or of ourselves to an extent. Sure. But when you realize that suffering is in your mind. You know, pain pain might be uh, have some more physical tangibility to it, right? But suffering, but suffering's in the mind. So, uh, spending more time closer to the to the center and less times in the uh, the the poles of the the emotions, I would say, uh, helps one live a more even keeled life. And just again, just the the knowledge that it's all coming from me, right? The knowledge that nothing else nothing else can you know can trigger me per se 
without my permission without and I, I might not understand how I give it that permission you know that's that's the, the journey is to understand why I experience anger when something happens why I experience fear when something happens and those are the the things to to dig through as we continue this journey of self-discovery that we're that we're on this plane of existence that we somehow happened upon or didn't happen upon or chose to come to whatever you uh, whatever you choose to believe. Is is there something thinking of of those terms? Is there something that you look uh, at yourself twenty years ago and wish that you could tell yourself back then? You know, from what you know now, you could tell yourself back then some kind of advice. Yes, yes, and no. I mean. No, insofar as everything had to happen exactly how it happened in order for this moment to be. And for me, this moment's great. Right. So, uh, so, so I'm good with everything that happened in the past. Uh, yes, in that I just wish, I just wish I would have enjoyed it all more. That's it. That is the only real regret of my career i can some times i can lament to go oh, i wish i just pushed myself in the gym and got a good body and then you know gone on and got a dump the run on tv and all this sort of stuff but i go yeah maybe but who knows where i'd be right now right. and where i'm at right now is, is is pretty good so really it's just enjoy it more just that's your choice your choice is to be in the moment and do whatever you want and you can choose to be resentful and you can choose to drag yourself along and you can choose to go, oh, I, you know, all I want is this over here. As soon as I get this, everything will be fine. That's the big, that's the big illusion we plan yeah. ourselves. It's one, of, it's one of people's favorite games to play is projecting something in the external world and, and playing fetch with it. It's the game yeah. of fetch I like, right? <laughs> you go, oh man, I'll just... Uh, you, you 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 put you take let's say something like happiness or fineness or contentment or whatever and you throw it over there you go man as soon as i as soon as i get that over there i'll be happy oh i just need that wb contract that's all all i need is that w contract then i'll yeah. be good and then you go and you do all the work to chase it and you grab it and you go ah got it okay well as soon as i'm WB champion then i'll be good and you just keep playing you play, keep playing the game of, of fetch with yourself, but you realize that at some point, hopefully you realize that the, the happiness or the feeling of fulfillment or whatever, it's something that comes from the inside. So you're just really taking a piece of yourself. You're throwing it out in the external world. You're going, you're, you're playing a game. You're, you're oh, I got it, I got it now. Oh no, it slipped through my hands. I'm not happy anymore. Where'd it go? Oh, maybe it's over here. Ah, that's all. That's the game. Well, you know, that's that to me, um, also brings into light that idea of why people like to play something like the lottery or like here in Vegas, why people will gamble on a regular basis because they are chasing something that they think they'll be more happy with in the form of money. But how many, you know, how many stories you've heard where people achieve that type of quick success monetarily and just have empty lives? It's, it's quite crazy of course yeah i mean look i want to trade places with vince mcmahon for for anything you know it's you know there there are certain studies that show it's it's something like once once you basically have all your needs met after you know let's say you make sixty thousand, i think i mean that's a little more than having your needs met but after that the money doesn't play a role in happiness per se so far as they can even uh measure happiness whatever metrics they're using so maybe that's not even uh a, a great example but yeah like of course it's not the money like of, of course of course like of do you know somebody who's who's rich that's miserable? Yes. I know people that are rich that are miserable. Okay, it's not the money. Do you know people that are married that are miserable? Yes. I, it's not it's not the uh it's not having a partner. Do you know people that have yeah. kids that are miserable? Yes, it's not the kids. Do you know people that have every single thing that you could possibly dream of and they're miserable? Go, yes, exactly. There you go. There's the hint that the answer cannot possibly lie in the external world. The external world holds only the power in which you give it, which means it's your power to give, which means you have the power in the first place. All the power of all of existence lies within of all of us. 
That's what's going on. You're an infinite being pretending you're a human being and learning what you are and learning a perspective, a point of view. Like that's what's happening on this on this planet, on yeah. whatever, this, this plane of existence, this freaking video game, whatever it is that we're in, uh, that's what's going on. And you can go, oh no, he doesn't know that. He's just saying that. You go, yeah, that's fine. You can, you can think that all you want, but that's how it functions. Right. You don't have to believe it's true, but if you put that model to your life, it functions perfectly to yeah. understand that all our emotions come from within us, all our experience. And you don't you don't know what the, you don't even know if there's an external world. Right. Let's face it, everything's in your mind. You you think there's objective reality. I'm not saying there is. I'm not saying there isn't. But I'm saying you've never experienced anything but what's in your mind. Right. So you don't know what's going on here. But certainly, um, certainly, whatever it is that you're looking for, you can project it outside of you, right. and you can then go and grab it. And maybe you'll find you'll find it in that. Most of the times it sort of just slips through your hands. Yeah. But all of it comes from you. I can have the choice right now to experience gratitude and love and happiness and fulfillment just by sitting here. I have that choice. Right. I don't need to write myself a permission slip and go, oh, as soon as I'm married, I'll be happy there. And, you know, put the permission slip over there and go, well, as soon as I get that thing, I'll, I'll grab my permission slip back and go, oh, happiness. I got it. It's like you wrote the permission slip yourself, man. Write the permission slip right now. Write the permission slip in this moment to choose to choose the life you want, to choose the experience, the internal experience that you want. I am grateful. I am love. I am worthy of love because I am love. Oh, love needs to come externally. You know, people have that, that subconscious false belief. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, nobody loves me. It's like, what do you mean nobody loves you? You're somebody, right? How about you love you? Right. That's the, I mean, you want to talk about the journey of life. You love you learn to love yourself and the, yourself and the depths of what that means. It's infinite. That is, that is one of the best ways I've ever heard, heard it put. And I think that if you look at the, the journey that you take in life, um, you know, I, it's it's amazing that you see people who don't really understand that until they're in their seventies or eighties or on their deathbed realizing, oh shit. Um, with all this heavy type of concepts, how for you does it um, fit into bringing that when you're talking to you know just friends or you know when you're trying to just kind of have those deep conversations do you find when you open up your mind and are allowing that journey that your your best growth points for you as a person have come when you've been willing to just open your mind and listen to other people's experiences or advice or stories because a lot of times i think what we do is we close that door you know um we like to we like to take the short way around things, and I think this is one of the facts that social media is so popular because we can easily go, oh, I'm sorry to hear about your loss, but you never really heard about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, here's my sympathy, but it's it's not even trying to understand what you're going through. It's just that, okay, I see you're going through something. I'll acknowledge it, but not try to understand or even uh, lend some kind of help. Is that, do you think, something that we're missing now that there's just such a technological world as compared to a one-on-one -on -one compassionate sit-down and, and get to know and talk to each other like we did for years before the uh, the machines started taking over? 
yeah, the machine started shaking over. You got that right, man. Um, but we, we've allowed that, right? And, and look, in a, in a lot of ways, um, I don't know if it's an unwinnable battle, but our human brains weren't meant to have this sort of, you know, dopamine fix at the at the at our fingertips. True. And so the addiction to that technology, uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's it had to happen, but it's a likely consequence of our of our brilliant but feeble human brains just not being made to to deal with this sort of stuff uh so at, for as great as uh you know whatever technology is the truth is it can't replace it can't replace the connection of the organic uh physical world of you know whatever whatever made this thing that we're in you know right uh, if you want to call it the creator if you want to call it god we're we're, we're in a thing that's you know hey look it might be a video game. It might be a, a, a dude that, you know, looks like us that just made it. I, I, I don't know. But something did. And, and right. the, the evidence of that is freaking everywhere. I mean, just the fact that, okay, it's an accident, fine. Uh, but this accident somehow has a structure to it insofar as uh, it, it organized itself enough where you and I can have a conversation. Yeah. That's an accident. The laws of the universe are an accident. It's like... Sell me on that one, man. Well, why? Why would there even be laws in the first place? Why right. would there be any structure to you know? So, so look, there's the physical reality is not the only reality. So there's obviously other stuff. You know, get over it, guys, um, or, or come into that space. Just let go of the idea that this is all there is, and uh, there's a whole lot more to play with, man. Uh, but so I'm sorry, I, I go on these tangents. I, I love this sort of existential stuff. Um, but so look, part of part of I think you know why we're here. Like, look, one, we're here to experience. That's yeah. first, first and foremost. Uh, everything out that sort of outside of that sort of starts to become th- these different stories. And look, the, the the creator might have a story in mind for, for all of us. For and look, for all of us, all of us, as if we're different things. We are different things on this level of existence, on this plane of existence. But ultimately, we are all one thing. Ultimately, we are right. the same being, different eyeballs out of the same consciousness. That's what's going on here. Um, so, uh, you know, part part of it is to be open, uh, to understand other people. Like, if I understand for, first and foremost that we are one, we are all one thing. That you and me are the same thing. I can start treating you as as though we are one. Right. However, you have a different perspective than I do, and part of what this journey is about, I believe, is to learn to see things from other people's perspective. It's like, I, you know, look, I, on this plane of existence, like, I'm, I'm a finger and you're a finger. Really, really, we're the hand. And, right. But actually, if you pull out further, we're actually the whole body. But on this plane of existence, we just think, like, I'm a finger and I'm a finger. We're separate things. Uh, so uh, the, 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 the body has consciousness in both this finger and this finger. So this finger can let this finger know what's going on. Right. And, you know, so you and me are the same thing. And you're part of a recon team and I'm part of a recon team and I'm going, Hey, this is what it's like over here. And Matt, you go, Oh yeah, this is what it's like over here. And we're all gathering information in this sort of infinite experience that we're this finite experience, but ultimately infinite experience that, that we have in, in order to understand an experience. And so if right. I close off myself to your experience, I close off myself to, to the information of that perspective that gives me more understanding of the whole that we're in. Yeah. When I say whole, I mean complete, not whole as in lack. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this on, on that general idea. Do you think that nowadays what we see a lot and a lot of it is based off of the fact that we have so much more of this technology that has a worldwide reach that it's hard for us even as kids to hear no and then it becomes harder for us as we grow to hear the words you're wrong do you think that there is that that um 
thing that's basically been put in kind of that societal um, firewall, essentially, that people are trying to make it so that you get the divides in life by basically saying, I'm right, that's it, nothing else. And missing that perspective of someone else who, you know, might have a different point of view, but you can find that unity if you're willing to find that, uh, you know, that middle line. And I know it's a lot of it's going on in politics, but I think it's also more so just humanistic. It's really, really hard to admit that, you know, maybe something you believed in, even if it was something you believed in 20 years ago, that you go, oh, man, you know what? I, I was wrong. Because I know I look back at some of my relationships and I go, you know what? They weren't that much of a bitch. It was kind of my problem, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah you, in relationships, you co-create the problems. Um, well, I mean, look, there, there, there's a lot There's a lot in there. You know, one thing you're talking about is, you know, as children, we don't like hearing this sort of stuff. And then as adults, we don't like hearing, hearing you're wrong. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So what does that tell you? It tells you there's a wounded child inside of you that needs healing, sure. needs to needs to be healed. And you need to talk that that child inside of you. Go, hey, 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 little Chris. Hey, little Matt. It's OK to be wrong. Hey, just because you're wrong doesn't reflect on your value, your intrinsic value as a human being yeah. and sort of heal those those old wounds that are, are derived from these these false beliefs of like, oh, if I'm wrong, um, you know, somehow that affects my value as a human. It's like, no, it doesn't. You're wrong. Guess what? You're wrong. Guess what? I'm wrong. Everything I've said, it's like, yeah, look, I've, I say some stuff with some, you know, uh, de definity to it, but right. am I wrong about it? Probably. I've been wrong for my entire life. Yeah. Like I can look back at, you know, five years ago and five years, at any point in my life, I can look back five years and go, wow, I thought I knew what was going on. I had no freaking idea. Yeah. Every point in my life. So what does that say? Oh, in five years, I'm going to look back and now and go, nope, had it completely at 37, finally figured everything out. It's like, no, but like I wasn't, you know. I want to be kind when I say this, but I was an idiot five years ago. I was an idiot 10 years before that, but just like less of an idiot. Yeah, um, sure. And I, and I want to be kind when I say that. So, but, but I'm being, it's a little facetious, but it's true. It's like you grow, you go your entire life basically being an idiot, but just kind of less of an idiot. So how about right now you take the pressure off yourself and go, and this is what I did a few years ago. I went, Hey, my view of reality is inaccurate and it's incomplete. And that's my starting point. I'm wrong about some things I think I'm right about. And obviously, whatever I do know is bounded on all sides to infinity with what I don't know. Yeah. So with that in mind, you can open your mind a little bit. You, there's, you, know, you can take some pressure off to be right. Here's the thing, though. We... We have the, the egos. The ego is, let's say, how we view ourselves and how we view the world. It's like our map of reality, more or less. And it's just a map. It's not, it's not actually what's going on. Just like you're not actually Matt. I'm not actually Chris. We just think we are. That's just the perspective we have as ourselves. You go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Chris. I'm this guy that's a pro wrestler. And I grew up and I'm Jimmy Jacobs now. And, you know, and the world's like this. I should, you know, th this, is, this is how we view the world, right? And our ego, our ego, so our ego is like the, what we've created for our, our, our view of reality. And it, the ego, it serves its function insofar as it tries to keep us safe and safe is familiarity. So you go, okay, this is what I think reality is. I think this is right. I think this is wrong. I think this is right. I think this is left, all, all sort of stuff. I think this is who I am. And anything that doesn't fit onto this map, we will dismiss as, as false, inaccurate. That's just hate. That's BS. That's, you know, uh, or we will try to somehow make it fit onto the map of reality that we already have. Like, okay, I see how that works. I'll, I'll put this in this, this pocket of, of the, the model I've created. Okay. That fits nicely here. Um, and so the ego will try to do anything to, to go, nope, this is real. I'm real. This is right here because the ego will 
that's how that's how the ego that's how we define ourselves by our ego right i'm this i'm this this is what's going on we define ourselves by those beliefs and so the ego will try to do anything it can as a defense mechanism to to protect itself to protect the model of reality that you've created for yourself but really this isn't real this is just the model that you've created right because what happens when how you view reality, what happens if you pull a thread so much that the whole thing just unravels? You're in chaos. You don't know where you are. Everything that you thought you knew was true just starts to just fall apart. And we don't like being in chaos, we like knowing where we are. We like having right. that safety. That's part of what the ego does. It keeps us safe, keeps us familiar. But the truth is nothing you, you know, most do. I'll tell you this. In the last two, three years of my life, how I view myself, reality, our society has all just completely fallen apart. I thought I knew something to be true, and it turned out from where I stand now, nothing I thought was true is true. So, uh, but whatever. So then you... But I, I say that now, but now I've created this new model of reality. Now I go, okay, this is what reality is. And, and that's just the ego then going, it's like this. But uh, all that to say, <laughs> all that to say that the anger and the need to be right comes from a, a, a defense mechanism. Because otherwise, uh, if you are wrong, you don't know where you are and you're in chaos and nobody wants to be in chaos. But it's okay. <sighs> Let the chaos in. You need the balance of the order and the chaos. Too much order. Your view of reality is too too structured, uh, and you don't let good information come in. Too much uh, too much chaos, and then you're just you, you're susceptible to to, to to different things. Where um, you know you go. Oh, if anything's possible, I'll just go off on this thing. Along those lines, as we kind of I, I don't want to keep you too long, but along those lines, what I find fascinating is this idea: how do you think loss fills in into that big picture? Do you think that we as humans are able to handle the idea of loss or that we look at it the wrong way and really that loss is actually growth in a sense because we should have learned something or taken something from an opportunity or from a person that is no longer with us? Yeah, that, that, that's great. Loss plays, uh, and I didn't mean to be, get too political there because I think it's all silly anyway. Yeah, I think I think uh, like what you're talking about with connection with people is is the is the ultimate thing, and not to get caught in ideologies and you know saying oh, whatever. Um, I'm, try, I'm not trying to be controversial. There's nothing controversial yeah. here. Hopefully, um, look, the piece of loss that that's a a really important piece. Life is a, uh, a constant game of, of things falling away. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so much of what the experience is, is what we, what, we call, what we call loss. And um, that's ultimately, I think, what all fear comes down to is loss. You know, fear yeah. of death is like loss of, loss of self, loss of life. You know, loss of, you know, you lose a job or people are afraid to, to lose this. They're afraid I might lose my reputation if I say this. I might lose, you know, we're afraid of all sorts of things um, that, that will no longer be here. But here's the thing. The nature of, of, of this existence is transience. It, everything's, everything comes and goes. Yeah. And until you accept that, uh, you will constantly be thrown around by the loss that life gives you. Sure. But, but the truth that I've found is that all loss, all fear of loss comes ultimately from a, a place where you don't know yourself. If you if you know your true self, your infinite self, the spirit that manifests, the spirit that animates this entire existence, the true self, the Atman, as they say in the in, in the in Hindu, yeah, uh, you you will think there is something to lose, 
but there is nothing to lose. That loss is an illusion because you are infinite. Yeah. All already here. And there is no you. There's no you out. There's no Chris. I mean, there is on a level, but ultimately, even Chris is a transient thing. Yeah. That that infinity lies within all of us. And if you don't know that, you spend your life trying to take and gain, get, trying to hold on to things, hoping they won't leave. Yeah. Because you fear as though there's something to be lost. There's nothing to be lost. And ultimately, ultimately, there's nothing to be gained. Yeah. Everything is here. And I think our, our journey on this on this plane of existence is to um, is to come into unity with that wholeness, to embody that wholeness and ultimately come into unity with it. I think that's how the the ultimate game, when I say the game, I mean the cosmic game, I mean the infinite game. I think that's how it has to be set up. And, and religions talk about these sort of things and, and use different metaphors to um, to express them. You can talk about reuniting with God or, you know, being in union with God or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, that seems to be ultimately what, what, what the, what the game is. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. all sorts of parts and the parts all come back together. Yeah, no, that's, that's a wonderful way to, to phrase that. Um, so as we wrap up here, I want to, you know, there's going to be some losses coming up here this weekend at uh, Slammiversary. Um, are you looking forward to, you know, getting in front of the crowd and, uh, you know, seeing everyone? Do you mean lawsuits? No, no, losses. 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 Oh, <laughs> like people God. Are... I was like, oh, am I getting sued this weekend? <laughs> oh, boy. No, you're going to have – I'm assuming there's going to be winners and losers on the card this weekend, so – only winners. <laughs> yes, everybody's a winner. Yeah. But is it is it fun and exciting for everyone to just kind of have that uh, that nervous energy when a pay per view comes around? You know that that excitement of hey man, it's showtime and we're going to give the fans everything we got. Yeah, it's it's going to be nice to have fans back. That's for sure. Uh, I, look, there was some joy in uh, it. Made it made the TV uh, it made it easier to shoot without fans like you don't have to worry sure. about spoilers you don't have to worry about like the the, the, the order you shoot anything They're like it takes the whole live event factor out of it yeah but ultimately you know uh, it was a detriment to not have fans and we're all really happy to have people back in the building and be back around human beings and and give that energy to the audience that that they can give back to us and give back to the people at home. So the experience, the integrative experience, um, the symbiotic experience of pro wrestling can uh, be back here for our show. <laughs> um, and uh, is there any chance that uh, Jimmy Jacobs, if after Slamversary happens and Kenny Omega retains that Impact Championship, do you think Jimmy Jacobs just has to you know, just get in there and take the belt back for the company. Look, if I need to take the belt back for the company, I'm going to do it one way. I'm just going to book it that way. That's all. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's the best thing, man. Just book it for much yourself. Easier, much easier than getting in the ring. I'm just going to type it up on my computer and yep. Kenny Omega loses. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Anyone watching and listening, please remember uh, Slammiversary is this Saturday, uh, the 17th. Um, you can order it on Fight TV. Um, you know, look it up online. And um, it's going to be a, a spectacular card, too, which is also that next exciting factor is you got fans and you got a good card. Um, yeah, it, it, it is going to be good. You know, Kenny Omega and uh, Sammy Callahan for the Impact World Title is yeah. on top. We also have uh, Deanna Perrazzo versus uh, a mystery opponent for the Knockouts title. That's going to be uh, exciting. I, th I think we've got a lot of good matches on the card. And um, 
all the fan, all the wrestlers, I think, are going to deliver uh, more so, you know, with this with this audience there, with this new energy. So, uh, and look, Slammiversary last year had a had a few surprises. Maybe there'll be some surprises this year. I'm not sure. You know, well, who knows? We we at least know we're getting one surprise in the opponent for Deanna Perazzo. So, you're not wrong by saying there's going to be surprises. <laughs> at least. At least one, yeah. uh, and that X division match, man, I I can't wait to see that. That's you talk about some of the return best. of Ultimate X. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, return of Ultimate X. Josh Alexander is doing a tremendous job as uh, X division champion. I think he's like he's like kind of just like in the background, becoming just like the best wrestler we have. Maybe I'm not sure. But it's it's like that. It's just he kind of like just slowly. Yeah. Underneath, just you just kind of got to look at him. And go, oh, this guy is like maybe the best one here. I mean, look, we got a lot of really great wrestlers. It was when I I was watching him and uh, TJP wrestle, oh, and yeah. and I I, I, wa- I watched those guys wrestle, and I was like, geez, man, I can watch. Look, I've seen a lot of wrestling, yeah. but I watched these guys wrestle a few months ago. I go, I could wrestle. I could watch these guys wrestle for an hour, and then we did that. Yeah, um, they're awesome. But TJP and Josh are awesome. So yeah, the Ultimate X is returning. Um, yeah, we'll have we'll have some good stuff on the show. And uh, again, everyone, just uh, you know, either go to the Impact website or go to Fight TV. Definitely purchase the pay per view. Um, and uh, man, I, I got to say, Jimmy, we've we've got more in the future to talk about um, because we haven't even gotten into dreams. And uh, there's. You mean the thing we're in right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. We're in a dream. Uh, that's that's when, like my latest thing. We're going like, oh, yeah, no, this is 100% a dream. 100% a dream. It doesn't make sense. It, like, l- 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 yeah. do, we have, do we have like a minute? Yeah. L- let me give it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, look, so there, there's, there's this, there's this um, tactic you can use this tool you can use to lucid dream lucid dream meaning that like where you you control your dream you're like the and once you once you realize you're dreaming you're like the god of the dream you can make things appear and disappear and fly and all sorts of things it's amazing uh one of the taxes you can use is during the day you get in the habit of looking at your hand right just look at your hand look at your hand just get in the habit so hopefully when you're in the dream you look at your hand because in a dream when you look at your hand you will have more than five fingers. Now, I did that before, and I had like seven fingers, and my pinky was like split off in two. The same thing that uh, if you're in a dream uh, and you try to read something, you realize that the the characters don't actually make sense. Right. So in a dream, if you look at things generally, it's like, oh yeah, this is this is real life. When you're in a dream, you know, when you're in a dream, you, you're you're caught up in it because you're looking at it generally. But if you look at things closely, it falls apart. And I think it's like that with this reality too. If you just sort of look at everything generally, everything looks like it's normal, it looks like it's fine. But when you start getting down to some of it, if you would like pick a rabbit hole and go down, anything you want, let me just, just look, I'm sitting on a chair. What's the chair made of? 99% space. Yeah. That's what the chair is made of. Oh, really? Well, it's just vibrating really fast. Yeah, maybe. But it's you're just saying it's space and I'm space and we're all just space. Like if we were to freeze this moment right now, it would just be like all space. It's just the fact that everything's vibrating really quickly. I don't know. You can just start to look at anything closely and go, yeah, I don't know if this adds up. I don't know. Wait, that doesn't add up and this doesn't add up. I think we're in a dream. That's what's going. That's what I think's going. That's, but that's like new. That's my new. Like I think we're in some sort of dream, certainly. But to, to really think, no, this is a, almost. Ex- it's a collective dream. We're we're in like a matrix. We're in a matrix right. where we're each nodes of consciousness having a, a collective dream. Something like that. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you really quick. When you were dreaming, from March whatever till till now. Did you ever see people wearing masks in your dream? No, no. I, I, I try to not see that in real life either. You know, just, just I want to sure. see, I want to see everybody's smiling face, man. And so, and that's funny you say that because 
you know, my dad said, hey, do you ever see the masks in the dream? I'm like, no. And he's like, me neither. And it's you'd think we would, right? And to your point, too, oh, man, there were times, you know, you walk into a restaurant, blah, 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 you're talking to someone, blah, blah. And I walk out and I go, was that person wearing a mask? And it's like my mind just saw them talking to me even though they did have a mask on and that's the physicality of it. But my projection of it was I could see their whole face. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, Yeah, man. man. Hey, look, this place, whatever we're in is freaking strange, man. Like as I pull back, if you don't think like this, this existence, this reality is like super strange. You haven't, you haven't played it it yet yeah. like you're just you're too in the, the ego that the, the model of reality you've created for yourself it's like come out come on out and play man i think we're in infinity i think i think we're in infinity and like anything's possible and the craziest stuff imaginable is is real like that's yeah. what i think is going on so at least <laughs> come out and poke your head and just see see if something suits you to go oh wow this is super crazy yeah let me play with this. Yeah. Well, everyone, I hope that uh, you enjoyed our talk with Jimmy. And uh, hopefully, um, if you've listened and you've really kind of taken some of this at heart, I love that idea of just poke your head in and play a little bit and see what, uh, you know, life brings you and, and see if any of this makes sense to you. Because on one hand, it should, and on one hand, it shouldn't. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Some of it will resonate, some of it won't. That just means we're just kind of where we're at. (laughs) All right, everyone. That's fine. Um, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.